0: You're listening to the Pretty Ambitious Podcast with Melissa Murciano, a podcast with successful women sharing their journeys and redefining success along the way. We all have value to bring, from the goal-driven career woman to the impactful stay-at-home mom. Their stories will empower you and give you the push that you need to succeed in the areas that are important to you. So listen along and be inspired as we celebrate and learn from each other. Sure, it's pretty ambitious, but let's do this together. Welcome to the Pretty Ambitious Podcast. I'm Melissa Marciano, and in honor of Mother's Day, I asked my mom if she would come on and share her experience as a single parent. So I was raised in a single parent home till about eight or nine years old. So I wanted to have her on because I feel like a lot of people can learn from her experience. And I also want people to realize that you can still provide a beautiful life for your children even if you don't have that picture-perfect family structure. Now, I do want to start this conversation um, and tell you guys my mom's reaction. When I told her, Mom, I, you know we should do this Mother's Day episode. I think it'll be fun. She said, Wow, you must be really desperate for guests. <laughs> You're running out of family members. <laughs> and I had to defend myself and tell her that You can't have a Mother's Day episode without your mother, okay? It's not that I'm desperate for guests because, honestly, I have guests lined up at the door. (laughs) Yeah, really? That is not the problem, okay? Anyways, I just wanted to share with you what I'm dealing with right now. (laughs) All right, mom, let's get started. Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, My name is Yvette Jimenez. I'm a retired school teacher. Uh, of 33 years and I have two grown children which one is Melissa and Frankie and I have four beautiful grandchildren and unfortunately they live in the west coast I live on the east coast however we do make it work thanks to technology and now during the pandemic we learn zoom and I have a chance to get to see them
0: yeah So I had you on so we can talk about your experience being a single parent. So we have to go back. You meet daddy around 17 years old. Four
1: years later, you get married. Take me from there. I got married at 21. Like most young couples, you think that um, love conquers all. Um, Looking back, there were certain signs uh, of substance abuse. Uh, your father uh, was a loving guy very affectionate loved to go out so that's one of the qualities that i enjoyed about him mm-hmm. and to be honest the first time we went out he told me that he did drugs before he went into the service because when i met him he was 17 but he was in the service and he told me right off the right? The first date that he had a problem with drugs in the past mm-hmm. and being young. And I remember that night going through the whole dilemma of thinking, oh my goodness, what am I getting myself into?
0: So hold on. But, Since you weren't a wild girl, was this
1: like a huge alarm for you? What were you Yeah. I mean, I, it was a huge alarm because first of all, I got caught up because he told me and he wanted to be honest. Okay. But, uh, but, Living, I mean, I was raised in the Bronx. Drugs was all over. But this is the, the 70s. 70s, and everybody smoked pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't a wild girl, and I wasn't enticed to be drugs because I didn't ne- really never hung out. My social circle was my uh, my cousins,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, unfortunately, they all did pot. But you at that age, you don't think pot is drugs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And when I met him, I, everybody was smoking pot. So right there, that should have been a sign because pot is drugs. But again, because at the 70s, it was accepted. So I didn't, I knew the red flag went up, but you're young and you think, oh, it was the past and you're ignorant. I
0: mean, and he's 17. So you're, I don't know, in my mind, I would just be like, how bad could it be at 17? (laughs)
1: Right. You don't think about that. You know, I was raised, I mean, I wasn't at this time, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I was raised in a very loving home with two parents, parents who who tried their best to do the best they could for us. Uh, my dad was very responsible. We weren't on public assistance. That was frowned upon. So we didn't know. I mean, back then that the addiction was in my home because my father was an alcoholic. But because he was responsible, I didn't see it as that. What and do they call it? Like
0: the functioning alcoholics?
1: Alcoholic, because he was very, he was responsible. He always provided. We went on vacations. He did the best he could. However, he wasn't, he was absent though, because he drank. Um, so anyway, so then at 21, and we decided to get married, there was a lot of red flags through our relationships. We broke up. In the middle of, I think we broke up like for two months because I realized that he was getting high. And even though you know he it was on and off. And again, I rationalized it that it was pot and didn't see that it really was more than than just pot. Mm-hmm. And then we got back together. And um, because I had invested so many years and I was young, I didn't date a lot. You think love conquers all, so we get married and we So you we got married at twenty-one. Than- so we got married at 21. My parents blessed us with a beautiful wedding Um, I was the only daughter. I have a brother, I had a brother. So my parents were able to really give me a nice dream wedding. Uh my parents were were not accepting of the relationship, but at the same time, my mom tried to be open minded. And um, wasn't it because you
0: said um, because we talked about this a little bit before, you said, um, you had an agreement that you would fill it, finish college.
1: Right, I was I was, I was, was working on my bachelor's and I got married six months before December, before I graduated. Now looking back, that sounds so crazy, but I remember my parents agreed to the wedding if I made, I promised them that I would finish. And I did, and I was serious about it. Unfortunately, I didn't, um, I see unfortunate because I should have seen some signs and some red flags. I was in a serious, my birth control. And six months later, I can, I can see uh, my, my my firstborn, Frankie. Right. And, and my, my I mean, pregnancy.
0: when I'm hearing this, what other people are probably hearing this, they're thinking, so what, you're married? What, what's the problem? Yeah, I was
1: married, but there was drug addiction. He wasn't stable in a job. When we got married, instead of waiting, so he was stable, he, he worked for UPS and he was going to school. He was working on his associates. And I was, you know, and you think, oh well, we're working, going to school. You think, oh, we could handle this. But what I didn't see was that there was also substance abuse, and he was getting high, and he dropped out of school, which should have been another another flag.
0: Uh
1: huh. Dropped out of school. Um. Then he he kept, you know, losing jobs.
0: Okay, and so now they, you're pregnant.
1: So now I'm expecting. I have a husband that's not responsible. Are you feeling stressed at this time already? Yes. Well, when I, I graduated in June, I, I majored in education, but unfortunately, since I didn't really have any other educators in the family or people to guide me, I didn't pursue my career immediately. I, I got a job at Consumer Affairs, and throughout that employment was that I realized that I was expecting. So I worked the most of my pregnancy until the end, and during that time... Um, your father was in and out of different kind of work. He was on you know, all these different excuses, and the flags were there, but I didn't see it. After I gave birth, um, the marriage was rocky then because the, the drug addiction was was taking started to take place. And then three months later, we got evicted, and that was a huge disappointment. And I used to pray that God was going to perform a miracle, and we had to move in with his friend. And at that time, also we had applied for public housing, and since he was a veteran, he was able to get it. But we had to wait three weeks, and that was the three weeks that we stayed at his friend's house. Getting evicted was a very humiliating thing. It was very, mm-hmm. it was very discouraging. It was, it was a difficult time, and it was my parents were really distraught at that moment. And I remember that when I moved, when we, when I lost the, uh, um, when we got evicted. And I had to go to a friend's house. My parents were willing to take me and, and my son in, but not him. But being young, you realize, oh, I'm going to have an apartment. So I didn't go with my parents. And I went to the friend's house. Were you tempted and, to
0: go oh, to yeah. your grandma's house?
1: I was because I knew that, you know, I had never experienced anything like that when I was growing up. We didn't mm-hmm. have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money, but there was always some stability. My parents were but My father was very responsible. And um, so... So now evicted. you have a baby and you're living now. With I'm a victim. I have a baby. And then throughout this time, he's an in and out of programs. Um, he goes programs, he comes out of programs, and um then I decide to get my life in order, get my life in order, finally seeing things for what they are. And with the help of God, I decided to go back to school and work on my masters. And my my mom, thank God for my parents, that my mom. I would take my son to the Bronx and he would stay with my parents for two nights. It would be like from Tuesday to Thursday. And where were you traveling? And I was traveling. I was living in Queens. So I was going from Queens to the Bronx. And at that time, I also had a car. And unfortunately, because of different problems, when I got married, I, I my parents had bought me a car right before I graduated. And when I got married, mm-hmm. the car and the car payments came along. And there was another dysfunction with that because um, because of his addiction, he got into put a lot of tickets and we find that the car broke down and we finally lost the car. So here I'm in Queen. Now his grandpa. And that my father. Livid. Huh? My father <laughs> was he? We always laughed. There's a joke because he had to go face up tickets. And the judge said, who's who's Joaquin Vidal? Because that's the name of the car. And he said, well, Joaquin Vidal has to pay the tickets. And it was, it was a lot of tickets, and my poor father always says this story. They say, Who's Joaquin Vida? My father would say, I am. Well, Joaquin Vida has to pay the tickets. And that's one of the first things that really broke my heart because of my bad choices and not being wise. It affected. So when someone's in drugs, it doesn't only affect the person that's using, but the family. Also, this ripple mm-hmm. effect. So that was just one of the things that I should have opened my eyes and seen, but I didn't. And then, um, I go back to school. I'm working on my master's. Um, The following semester, we decide that it's better for my mom to stay. And my mom was willing to stay twice a week. She came on a Tuesday, left on a Thursday. Wait, was daddy with you at this time? Daddy was with me. And he was very supportive. I mean, I know that he had his problems. But one thing I want to say, he was very supportive. And... He was a reader. He was always reading. And I remember taking some classes and there was one class that I was struggling with because I used to struggle in school, but I had the determination and I had the Lord by then. So I knew that I can do all things with his help. And he really helped me. And I remember one incident, one class where I used to be in the class. I take the, the session and I still was unclear. I would go home and play the tape and then he would just go, but it says this, this, and this. And I would be so amazed how... I was in the class listening to it the third time around, and it was still unclear. And he just heard it once, so it really showed he was really capable. But unfortunately, because of addiction and other situations, mm-hmm. he really didn't do much. He could have really gone far. But anyway, I'm working towards my master's, and then I, I, I finally put my foot down, and I want, and I asked him to leave. We separated, and then shortly later, I realized that I was expecting my second child, which is you, Melissa. And I always state that if it wasn't the fact that I was a believer, if I would have been in a different social circle where they would probably would have been encouraging abortion, I probably would have got it, had an abortion because at that time it was devastating because I had made, I had made up my mind. I was going to get my life together. I had a BA. So all I needed to do was get my master's and I was going to make money.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My life was going to be completely different. And it's ex- having a baby was a was hard because I didn't want to be another statistic Hispanic on welfare because I had to be on welfare because I had my son Mm -hmm. and I knew I always knew that welfare was just going to be short term because um I had a degree I shouldn't have I shouldn't even be on welfare and that was very humiliating for me I mean even to now I I look back it was very hard because I wasn't raised like that
0: um I know mom but that was the situation that you were put in
1: no, I know, I know, I know. But you know, it's a reality. I mean, that's why I didn't even want to talk about this because it's bringing up a lot of feelings that happened such a long time ago. Uh, and I, when I look back, I can't even imagine how I... it feels like it's a different person. Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed on how God, God carried me through. I give all the credit to God because God is the one that carried me through. Anyway, um, after so now you're
0: pregnant with me. So now I'm pregnant. To- tell because i remember you saying like it was really hard for you to tell your parents
1: oh telling my father you know my father was like so upset at me like how can you do this and here i'm married so Mm -hmm. i can't even imagine how it would have been if i was an unwed parent he was furious like because of course you know every parent has expectations for their child they were they were proud the fact that i had finished my bachelor's i was the only one in my family who had gone to college that actually finished. So it was a huge disappointment to him and to myself. But finally, at that point, when I realized
0: I was pregnant and- Let me interrupt you. I know whenever you talk about this, you hate to say that you even thought about having an abortion. But I feel like a lot of people in that situation, that thought would come to their mind. like You have a four-year-old, you're by yourself, and then you're expecting- another child, that's really overwhelming.
1: Yes. Especially like I, my mentality wasn't to be living on the government. That wasn't how it was raised. So to me, it seems so impossible to go to work when I have a child, you know, the father's unstable. So I felt like I needed to be there. So to it was, it was hard.
0: And knowing grandpa, I feel like I can understand uh-huh. you know, his he's reaction. A
1: stickler responsibility <laughs> He was always responsible and and I thank God for that role model that he had because you guys, my son was is very responsible and my daughter because they saw that. They saw that in mm-hmm. me, they saw that in, in him. So you decide to- I finally, I realized that I'm pregnant and I remember telling your father, you know, when he called and he was like, I was so upset. And he, it's funny because he was sick that, as he was, he was always loving. He goes, well, I'll raise it. If you don't want the kid, I'll raise it. And I'm like, you can not even take care of yourself. but he agreed he agreed um he wanted to come back home and of course been expecting you you know you you that's what you want so he agreed Mm -hmm. to go to our christian um rehab place called teen challenge Mm -hmm. that was um founded by david wickinson and um he stayed in the program i think it was 15 months and i thought wow 15 months you know, he would change. And throughout the mm-hmm. pregnancy, unfortunately, I was by myself. I would go week after week to go visit him. It was it was very hard. It was a trying time. I had a four-year-old. I was, expected, I was expecting. I was by myself. It was very stressful because you mm-hmm. never think that. And then even when you give birth, you know, he- You had like a group of friends that you would meet with. The saying says that um, it takes a village to raise a child. And that's really true. And I attribute my sanity, besides the Lord, is the community I had. When I first became a Christian, I met a group of girlfriends that we used to meet on Fridays. And it was a Bible study. Lucy, which I'm still, well, I still have those friendships today, which is really nice. 38 years later, I still have these friendships. Actually, it was more, It's 40, 40 plus. And L- Lucy was the leader. And I was there. And she's when I not was saying later. that
0: I'm 40 plus, just to make that huh? clear. Which is she's not saying that I'm 40
1: plus, just to make that clear. (laughs) No, you're not. Um, So, because I knew them before you were born. Uh, That's right. We used to, we used to gather on Fridays and um, we would take turns taking care of the kids and we would have a study and it was fellowship. Not only was it spiritual food, but it was also emotional. We, We supported each other. It was a great great group. And I, when I went into labor, I was actually at that study. Now at this time, your father was in a program and they agreed to bring him when I went into labor, but he was in New Jersey. And when I called, unfortunately, someone had borrowed the van. So he had a to way to the, for them to come. So again, he wasn't there, <laughs> but I had my girlfriends and I had the Lord and I had actually three people. I had a close friend named Norma, who was going to be my coach and Lucy and Rozzy a good friend that we're still friends today, all all, of, all three of us went, well, for myself, you know, to the hospital. Well, first, yeah. they they drove me to take Frankie to the Bronx, so my parents could stay with Frankie. Then we came back to my apartment. Then when it was time to go, we went to pick up Norma, quiet practice, and we headed to the hospital. And there, they stayed with me, while I gave birth, it, we sang, we worshipped songs. It was really amazing. And then your father came shortly after. <laughs> and I always, and I always state that I received two ba- two baby showers when I was expecting you. I had so many pamper[s] under the crib. I had more stuff when I had you than when I had Frankie when we were both working. So to see God's provision. God is faithful. When you give your life to Him, He really, He really supplies. So and I've seen that throughout my whole life. Okay, so now you were born. And you were born and on November 13th, 1982. Uh, excuse me. Oh, I can't. Hear it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. My baby's beautiful. Um, oh, then your father comes home about two months later, and unfortunately, he stays clean only for about 15 months. And when he when he starts using again. We separate again, even though I was raised in a loving home and I was taught godly principles of being married for life, I learned that I didn't have to, I didn't have to stay in, a, in, a, in an unstable marriage. So even though it was difficult, every time he you know, he would start using, I would ask him to leave. And would, again, we was separated. So most of my marriage, that's how it was. Him leaving, going to programs, coming back, did you carry a lot of guilt? It was hard. It was hard being a single parent, and of course, I, many times I felt I felt guilty that I didn't, you know, see the signs. And there's a shame that goes along with with substance abuse. And I remember that at that time, there weren't a lot of people at my church that would openly talk about it. So I felt like I, I couldn't really share that with anyone. And I remember at, at one time mm-hmm. I would go to a, low, a church in the lowe side because it seemed like every other person in lowe side had addiction problem. But it was in my community that I didn't feel comfortable. So I went back to my church where I felt support. Throughout this time, after Melissa was born, um, I started working in 1985 at a Christian school. When I was working, I felt productive. I was in my field.
0: So how, how did you feel when you finally put your foot down for like you kind I'm sure you probably would be like all right this is enough right it's it's hard it's a hard
1: decision for many people they thought I should have done it long time before that they shouldn't have gone that far but for myself it, you know you have you know it, it's easy to tell somebody you know kick the bum out you have to you have to come to a point where you feel like this is it and it's not yeah. easy to take a stand to be by yourself to do it because even though they don't they're not there, uh, financially, but somehow you a lot of women stay with men because they feel like they're there for them emotionally, even though it's a it's mm-hmm. toxic environment. And so those moments when I finally got the courage, because really it's courage and prayer to put my foot down, it was very difficult because he would say no and different circumstance. And thank God, you know, I would, God prevailed and I was able to be by myself, but it was very difficult. And then raising two children, working—it was hard.
0: So how did how did Frankie take it? Because he was already like five. Yeah. Well, Frankie,
1: for most of your early years, he wasn't home, so you didn't know what it was to have him. But Frankie, Frankie was very attached to your father. Um, your father was a very loving man. You know, unfortunately, he had a substance problem, but he was very loving and very caring. Um, we, we never experienced any physical abuse, but unfortunately, there was financial and emotional abuse. And he was very close to Frankie, and Frankie was very close to him. So, whenever we went out, Frankie was always attached to him. So, whenever we got separated for a long time, Frankie thought he wasn't living with us because he smoked. And um, I never wanted to say when younger that, you, that he used drugs because I thought that that was something that you didn't need to know. So, for many, I would always say your father's at school. And so according to Frankie, you know, he was getting a PhD, you know, because he was in programs. (laughs) But Frankie was the one that took it hard. And Frankie, you know, since he was raised in the church, he would be have this faith and he would be praying. And I remember one time, he was crying because I think uh oh, when he when he came back, it took like five years. And when when he, he left again, it was like, Oh my goodness, I can't take another five years. It was heartbreaking because he was always praying, always praying and believing that that, yeah. that God would, you know, bring him. And I'm sure that's what you heard, right? When as a kid, him praying.
0: Yeah, I remember him crying. I remember him, I guess you were talking to him, explaining things to him in the kitchen. I remember being on I think it's my bunk bed or something, and I remember listening, but I remember being confused too. Like, what? What's the big deal? <laughs> because I never had him like that, so I didn't have that same bond. But I remember feeling bad for him. But I was just, I just was thinking, what's wrong with me? Like, well, how come I don't feel this way? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. He was very close. I mean, he's still to as, as an adult. I mean, we were different ages, so we were four and a half years apart, and um. In the earlier years, he was very close to him because he would play, again, Frank, your father was very affectionate. He was a very affectionate guy and he was always reading and always reading to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember throughout the years, we didn't have much money because again, I was a Christian school teacher and Christian school teachers don't go pay a lot. But I remember trying to make, you know, uh, memorable moments with you guys. I remember Christmas mm-hmm. time. One Christmas I I did a... a, a a search throughout. I don't know. Do you remember when we did the search? That
0: I was it when Frankie got the telescope. Oh, I
1: don't know. No, oh, we don't want that. On there. Oh, the telescope. Oh, oh, that's it. That that, that, was, that was that was that's a wow. Okay, um, we had David- I remember the telescope, but I don't remember what I got. You, okay, what <laughs> happened was that at our church they had something called Project Angel Tree, where they had a tree and they had these angels, and it was for people. Um, children of parents that were in prison and at that point your father would be because he was in and out of Rikers Island because of the, because of what he's done and I remember that when they called me to say that he gave the your name I was very prideful because I felt like oh my goodness you know like I didn't want my kids you always try to protect your children from that And they had we were
0: put on like the charity list, basically. Yeah, right, exactly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And when they came and they said, "What do you want?" Frankie said, "Telescope," and you said, "My little pony." (laughs) (laughs) And they bought you something else. But I remember that um, that ministry, you know, really has a special meaning. I mean, to now when I when I years later we supported it because. Well, I still remember it, which is crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So this this nice couple came to visit and asked me, but it was very humiliating because I had to, it had to bring the, the back to the reality that I was, you know, my but we never children.
0: felt lacking in any way. Like I always remember all of our holidays, um, you know, having a bunch of things never felt like, um, where I think some kids can remember, they look back and they're like, I only got one gift. Like I remember, never remember that. I always remember having a lot of things, And even talking about, um, you know, the time when I grew up with you as a single parent, I think the only time when I realized it was the few times um, that. So, my best friend Diana, her dad would take us out to lunch sometimes during school hours. And, um, you know, I loved it. I loved being with her, and we would go out to lunch. And um, it was the only time that I would think, oh, you know, I don't have that, but it still didn't, I feel like it still did not affect me deeply, you know, versus somebody who grew up with a dad and then they, then that person had to, you know,
1: the dad had to leave. So I feel like it it was a difference. And like I said before, I try to take you guys out in the summer. We didn't have much money, but God always provided. It was amazing. I mean, we even went to Disney World.
0: Yeah, you know, every uh, summer we
1: went to bunch of vacations. Even though, you know, you were raised in the, in a housing development, it's really important for me to get you out of out of you know from the neighborhood. Again, when I look back, it's like unbelievable that that I lived that life. It was it was rough
0: growing up with a single mom. I remember you doing everything, so it was ingrained in my head that things were possible, and and in my eyes, you could have done anything at that point. I'm
1: glad that you felt that you didn't feel that you were lacking. Cause as a parent, you always want the best for your children.
0: Whenever we do talk about this stuff, you always do. You're always telling me I should have known this. I should have known that I, you know, I was somebody with goals and, and you're always like down on yourself for making these decisions when you feel like you should have known better.
1: When you find yourself in a position in an addictive relationship, there's such a negative stigma with it. And the mm-hmm. fact that I had my master's, I felt like, you know, I was going a dummy. I should have known better. I should have seen the signs and I should have been wiser. And also people, people make you feel, people tend to make you feel like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you getting out of the situation? Yeah. And, you know, for a long time, it was because I, you know, I was trying to make my marriage work and I wanted you guys to have a stable home. And I never wanted to bring another man into the house because of concerns of things that happen. So, I mean, I don't regret that. That part I don't regret because I know that um, at least um, you guys couldn't say that I brought, you know, different men in my house because I had different, different people that I observed that were always in and out of relationships, and I saw the effects on the children. And being an educator, I... I've had a lot of students and it was really sad Um, when the holidays will come around. I have a specific incident because of being a single parent, it has helped me to be more sensitive as an educator. And I would, on father's day, for example, I would be, if I would, if a child had lived with a stepdad and he would see his real dad. So I would be willing. Yeah. You're more sensitive. I would try to make, provide the child with the opportunity to make two gifts And I remember one incident, I told the the little boy, I said, oh, is this for your dad? Because I knew his dad. He goes, oh no, this is for my fourth dad. And it was just (laughs) so alarming because I would see, I would see these parents bringing in men and these children's lives and they will have to call them daddy. and, And a lot of females don't realize that children, children need you. They don't need to see you in so many different relationships. So that was something that was really important to me. That you guys, you know, unfortunately your father wasn't around, but I didn't want to be bringing somebody else in the home. And you had other friends that were single parents as well. Yes, yes. So
0: I think that we grew up also with friends that didn't have both parents.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, daddy came, you guys got back together when...
1: I mean, I was he, like he in, was in and out of the picture. and out, he was in and yeah. out of the picture. But there was a short, long, spread time after he finished Team Challenge that we didn't see him. But then in 1990, we got back together again because he got his life together, and it seemed like he he had really learned. Because you always have that hope that that you know you have that faith that you feel that the person's change. Mm-hmm. And it was, and he was always trying. I have to say, he was always trying to to yeah. prove that he he had changed. And I also give God thanks that I felt blessed because he never blamed me. I had a lot of friends, I knew a lot of people that the the spouse was constantly blaming them and the, the poor children were torn. And he would tell them, he would tell you and Melissa, uh, mainly Frankie, that it was his fault, that he wasn't home, that it wasn't my fault, that it was he made bad choices. And I really mm-hmm. believe that's helped my, that has helped you guys because you guys weren't caught in the tug between both parents.
0: Okay, so that leads to my next question. What do you think are some of the things that helped um, us adjust as kids?
1: Well, I think the community of the church, the fact that I had, they were people around them. There was, you know, the girls' club, there was the boys' club where Frankie went away. He was with other men. He, the, the church had a baseball team where he was able to be part of a group. I believe that helped him. And then we had a youth group. So the community helped um you know if if you're not part of a church if you're in a part of a synagogue some some community group it's really important to get connected i believe that helped them and i also attribute the fact that i had a good family too my father my parents a role. they were very loving they were very supportive with the kids and my brother unfortunately my brother passed away in 1999 but before that he was very loving with my kids so we had we had a good um, support system so my children knew, and it was very important for me to let my children know that I loved them, that they were loved, that no matter what happened, I would always love them, and I was always be on their core, on their side. So I'm hoping that all those things attribute to them and hopefully having good memories of their childhood. What gave you the drive
0: to continue and not fall apart? Because I feel like growing up maybe you did fall apart when we were sleeping or something but I always felt like you had it pretty together I feel like you never discussed your issues with us which I feel sometimes some parents do that's good
1: well I try not to like I try not to mention the fact of drugs because I feel like that was something that it's something that children don't need to deal with and um, again I go back to my faith my faith is what what gave me that strength to keep on going and i wanted something i wanted a better life for you guys so i was trying to make it as stable as i could so that drive of wanting to provide a better environment for you i guess gave me the strength to keep on pushing i mean i feel fortunate that i Mm -hmm. because of the fact that i had a bachelor's that i had education that i had something to fall back on it wasn't like the Typical story that, mm-hmm. you know, you get married at 17 and you, you drop out of school. So the person has to now go to I had a degree. So I had something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. I decided to work on the Christian school because I wanted to be, number one, it was, just, it, was, it was part of my church. So it was ministry and I wanted to be close to you guys. I wanted to be able to, it, it was great being able to go together, see you at lunch and i i it was a it was like a community it was a family environment especially in the earlier years
0: yeah and i think that you mentioned be a lot of times when we talk about this you mentioned that you have a lot of regrets but i feel like it it has shaped me and frankie into the people that we are because i am more empathetic i think to people and even i remember daddy even talking about homeless people and he would say you know there's somebody, there's somebody's daughter, there, there's, there's still a person, you know, always treat people. That's another thing about Daddy. He's very accepting of people. He was always been very accepting of people. And I think that I feel like that passed down to me that I'm very open minded. And it's made me even people with addiction, I think that since it was around me, not in the not in the way that I, I seen it in front of me, but I've seen the the consequences, the results of that I'm able to not be judgmental because I, I have family members that deal with addiction and I know that it is an illness. So I'm able to separate that. And, you know, if people don't have any family members that deal with addiction, it's very easy to just judge them or think like, you know, they're a low life. And, but I know people like daddy, he was a good person, good heart, um, very loving, But he struggled with it for for whatever reason. Everybody has their reasons why they go through addiction or, you know, your your family life or whatever. But I think that it has made me very empathetic to people. And I feel like my childhood was not maybe, you know, you've seen it a certain way, but I feel like me and Frankie turned out pretty okay.
1: (laughs) And looking back also and reflecting about it, because of the fact that I was, I experienced addiction it made me as sensitive as a teacher. I feel like it made me a better teacher and had more compassion. And many times I had parent conference and it turned out to be a counseling session. I was able to to give some parents hope and share a little bit of my story. And I know that you're not supposed to get personal with parents, but I felt that that was something that God gave me to let them know, you know, that don't worry about it. You can make it because many times It was a Christian school and sometimes the parents pay, I mean, the grandparents pay for the tuition of their child. And some of these parents were struggling. They were struggling as single parents, they were struggling going to school. So I knew what it was to work and go to school and try to juggle. I knew how hard it was. And sometimes the kids would come in the morning and they weren't even, they had their breakfast or on their face or they barely ate because I knew the rush of you know rushing in the morning. So that that was an asset for mm-hmm. me. The fact that I went through it. And sometimes, like you see you mentioned, sometimes when you don't go through something, you have no sensitivity and you tend to be very judgmental. And we tend to group those that send, you know, the alcoholics, or you know, oh, I don't drink, oh, I don't smoke, and whatever. And we think that we don't have a problem.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and even, even being around addiction meaning it b- being in our family it made frankie and i um stay away from it i think i think it we saw it as like if anybody that i would date would do anything i'm just it was already like red flag red flag and even when i started dating my husband he was so responsible in that aspect that that's what attracted me to him um and i'm sure the same thing for frankie how he probably didn't go down certain roads
1: because it was like a protection for us and i Um, think also because your father always he was open with that he would say i have this is this is i'm the one with the problem and that's again i'd say that over and over because i saw that as a huge blessing because um he didn't blame me no but why would he blame you what do you have to do with it because a lot of times when there's when there's addiction or or conflict and, and I, I seen that in many couples, you know, you tend to blame each other. And you know, it's your mother, your mother's this, mm-hmm. or your mother's that, all these negative things, and the child is left with the parent, and then the child wants to be with the absent parent mm-hmm. because the, the you know the grass always seems greener on the other side, you mm-hmm. know, you, you think it's gonna be better. Yeah. Because the person is always talking bad about them. So I, 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 I believe that that helped me, that helped you guys,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: your worst nightmare is for your kids to go into that, follow that route. And both of you are responsible, both went to school, both, you know, I'm very proud of both of you, both of you have your degrees. So what, you know, I'm really, really grateful.
0: And I think that you have done a good job with showing us that even though Times can be hard, you can still overcome things. If I would say, Oh, this is hard, you're like, life is life is hard, but it's not impossible. You know, and you always instill to work hard. I just always remember you just doing it. There wasn't a question, it was just like, I'm gonna get it done. It doesn't matter, I'll figure it out. And I feel like that's what I got from you too. Oh,
1: that's good. That that makes that's good to know. You always wonder if your kids ever, you know they learn anything. And I'm glad that, I'm glad to hear that, that you don't, that you you, you have good memories.
0: What advice can you give to single moms out there?
1: Well, I have three or four things that I would like to share from my own experience that I think would have helped me. First, if you find yourself in an abusive relationship, seek help. It's really important to realize that it's not your fault and that you don't have to do this alone. Find, tell somebody, someone you confide in. If you're in a church, find, you know, confide in a pastor, a counselor. It's really important for you to do this for yourself. You deserve it. And if you don't have enough energy to do it for yourself, do it for your kids. Um, I know like me, I always frowned upon divorce until I had to learn that just because I separate doesn't mean that I have to get divorced. And that you were pleased with me having- some people
0: need to get divorced.
1: Yeah, well, some people might have to, but sometimes that keeps you from making that step because it seems overwhelming and it's better to take a first step as far as taking care of yourself. That's number one. It's really important for you to take care of you. And when you are in an abusive relationship, you become as sick as they they are, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And you don't realize that your children are looking at you. And what example, I know for myself- especially the last time around, the final time, I realized, you know, you were 17, I was still in this all those years, and I felt like, what message am I giving my daughter that I'm supposed to just put up with? And um, that gave me the courage that I couldn't do it mostly for myself, but for my children, And I wanted to have, it was better to have one parent in the home that's stable than to have two dysfunctional parents become, you become, again, as sick as they are. Mm
0: -hmm. And then I just want to interrupt right here. And as a child, being on the other side of it, I want to say that sometimes you think, you know, you want to stay for the kid, but most of the time, even at 17, I remember when you separated, I was happy. Like, I was like, good. I know this is not. A good situation, and I felt good about it.
1: I know. I, I think you you came to me. You thanked me. Really? Because it was so unstable. I remember. <laughs> I believe you came to me. And she goes, "Mom, I'm glad you're doing this. You know, thank you." Well, because um, I was I was seeking counseling, and the counselor challenged me, and she said, "You know, he's not changing." and um, your daughter's only getting older, and look at the example you're giving her. I
0: didn't even know you saw a
1: counselor. because at that time, I didn't really feel it it was inappropriate to be discussing it with you guys. I, I remember, especially when you guys were younger, I didn't want you guys to feel that it was your problem. Especially Frankie, being the male, I know I used to hear, I don't know if it's part of the Hispanic culture, you're the man of the house, I despise that. I never wanted Frankie to feel like he was the man of the house, he was a kid. Mm -hmm. and I think like I mentioned before that I mentioned that he was going to college because I didn't want to put a say anything negative about his dad Mm -hmm. you know no matter what that was that was your dad um and the second thing that I would share is it's really important to join a community get you know again like I said the first time I said before you can't do this by yourself find a church find um Find if you go to synagogue anywhere, just find a sense of community. Because I know that that really saved me. The fact that I had a church, that I had a body of friends, um, that I was able to share and help me, helped me a great deal. I remember that I never paid for babysitting because we used to do it for each other. If uh, if I had a friend that had an appointment, we would we would babysit for each other, mm-hmm. and that was really a blessing because none of us had money to pay out. Mm-hmm. child care when i think about how child care is now how expensive it is it's you know um there's nothing like having community that's um and then the third thing i would say is that beware of falling into the trap of overindulging your kids when when you're going through dysfunction or you know you feel guilty you want to give your children the best mm-hmm. you want to cover up with things and i really have to thank god for my parents, my mom, especially, who taught me how to be uh, finances and and not live within my means. And the fact that I worked at a Christian school where I didn't have a big salary, I had a watch every penny. I had a budget. And um, I'm so grateful that I didn't fall in the trap of, you know, loading up my credit cards just to be able to give the best gift. A lot of times we want to get the best sneakers, the best outfit, because we feel that that's a reflection of us and love and but what happens is when you try to get things, you fall into the trap of debt. And then when you start doing, then you start having to get maybe a second job. I know that um, there was a certain person in my life that worked a, a lot a lot of overtime. And, and the person loved having nice things and had a beautiful home, but unfortunately wasn't home a lot. And when I would hear years later, the children voicing that they wish that you know their mom was more at home and I I, that meant a lot to me to be able to be available and the fact that I didn't have all those debt that really that would just add more stress so I think that's a trap that we all fall into especially you know nowadays we all want there's so many now worse than before because now everything is gadgets but anyway I don't. uh, think we
0: never felt lacking because we had so much, so many experiences other than things. So the experiences are what, I guess,
1: fulfilled us. Oh, that's great to hear. Because I know it was important for me to make creative. I remember one year um, when Frankie was about three, you weren't born yet. Money was really tight and um, I wasn't working, your father was dysfunctional, and I remember that I didn't, I didn't have that many things for Christmas, but I wrapped everything, you know, you get creative, wrapped everything mm-hmm. separate, got a big coloring book, got some crayons, you know, got things on sale, you just get creative mm-hmm. and try to make the best. The main thing for me was the experiences, and um, I remember that he didn't, he didn't wake up like, oh, wow, I didn't have anything because god was good i mean i committed it to god and god helped me find i remember going shopping and not having much money and find stuff on sale and just multiplied the little money that i had
0: mm-hmm.
1: so again just try to be careful because i saw that i saw a lot of a lot of my friends buying a lot of stuff for their kids they had the latest toys and unfortunately because of the fact that they you know when you're by yourself it 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 really it's a big financial strain when it's just one income especially in new york city housing is so expensive everything is so Mm -hmm. expensive and so if you don't have the income the next thing you do is is credit cards and when you're in debt then you have to get a second job and then you're not around to be able to provide those experiences for your children that they need and they need you like you like you mentioned Mm -hmm. and um the last thing um was um take care of you. It's really important for you to take care of yourself. Um, sometimes um, when I was thinking about this today, I was thinking, what did I do to, to, to fill my cup? And I know mm-hmm. that I love arts and crafts and I did that, but for many years I was just working, 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 and not really taking out the time to just, even if it's just getting your nails done, it's so important for you to take care of you. cause you can't, I know that a lot of people have the mentality of, well, I deserve this. I should get this dress. I should get that outfit. Yeah, we do. But with reason, but there's other things that you can do that is not so expensive, you know, whether it's getting your nails done or fixing your hair or nails are pretty expensive these days. I know, but you know, or just doing it yourself. I mean, I'm, you know, painting your nails yourself, just fixing it. It's important for you to, you know, give yourself that self care. Mm -hmm. And, um, if you didn't finish school, then go back to school. I mean, that's easier said than done because when you have children and you're working full time, you can't do it. And I'm happy to hear that you didn't feel like you were missing out. And those are the things that I was thinking about four things that I think if I had someone here mm-hmm. that I would share, you know, no, the first one, get help, join a community, beware of, of going into debt. And taking care of yourself.
0: I think that's great advice. And that concludes the show. So thanks for coming on. Happy Mother's Day. And I love you.
1: I love you. And I'm so proud of you. I'm really, really proud of my beautiful princess. And and the great mom that you are. Thank you. Love you. Bye-bye. Love
0: you. Thank you for listening to this episode with my mom. I just want to make a point of saying to all the single parents out there. Just because, you know, you may not be able to give that picture in your head of what you think a family should look like, just because you're not able to do that, it doesn't mean that you can't give your kids a great life. Because even though looking back, it was painful for my mom to um, see everything she's been through, but she did a good job of not passing that down to us and not allowing us to feel like we had to carry that burden. There are definitely things that you can do to make the process easier. She made it work through budgeting, through finding a community, um, by just not giving up and, and being that example for us. I actually read a book maybe I think a year and a half ago. It's called Hold On But Don't Hold Still. It's by Christina Kuzmic, And when I read it, I automatically knew this would be a great book for anybody that is starting over or newly divorced or separated or just restarting anything, a new career. It's an amazing book and it's really inspiring and she's very relatable. So I highly suggest that you check out that book. It's hold on, but don't hold still. I hope that if you are a single parent, you can be reassured that your kids will be fine and you'll be able to fill in those gaps the best way that you know how. So thank you. I really appreciate my mom for sharing her story. I know that a lot of these details, she wasn't, she didn't remember. We, you know, I told her to think about it before we went to start recording. And, um, you know, she got emotional at a couple of times because I think that she didn't realize how much she had overcome. Um, And especially when you're going through it, you really don't give yourself credit. I'm sure she probably wasn't thinking, you know, wow, look at everything that I've gone through when you're living it. But now, you know, that she looks back and she can say, yeah, I should have saw, I should have saw this sign. I should have saw that sign. Just being able to see the strength that she had and you know how how me and my brother never felt like we were missing anything and that in itself just shows that the right parenting, the great mom that we had. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there and I hope that you guys enjoy your day and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved today's show, be sure to screenshot it and share it on your social. Don't forget to tag at PrettyAmbitiousPodcast on Instagram. We would love to hear from you.